Hi, hello everyone. This is Podbytes. Hello, I'm Valentina. Hi everyone, welcome back. You're listening to Podbytes Talk Show. My name is Valentina Kaledina. We're live on Castbox every Wednesday, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. This is Podbytes episode number two. For questions and comments on today's program, please call or text. We're looking forward to hear from you guys. Podbytes is a show where we talk about podcasting. Last week, we were joined by investor John Zagula. We talked a lot about creative industries, and also we discussed how to use podcasting as a marketing tool. You can find this episode in Replace. This is what we do every week. We record the episode live and then upload to the channel as a podcast. In today's episode, we'll be talking about upcoming trends in the internet and blockchain and how all this influence podcasting. In a few minutes, we will talk to Edit Young, who is a partner at Proof of Capital and creator of China Internet Report. It's going to be an interesting discussion. You can type your questions in the chat window and I'll start to taking your calls later. But before we start the interview, I'm going to talk about a few important things that happened this week. Good news for podcasters. In its April's report on latest global ad trends, Work is focusing on podcast advertising. According to Work, almost four in five listeners do not mind branded sponsorship for podcasts because they understand they support the content. But most importantly, Work predicts the rapid growth of the podcasting market. By 2022, podcasts could account for 4.5% of global audio advertising spend, a total of 1.6 billion. It will be almost double the 885 million, which is an expected amount of investments for this year. But for the future growth, two things will be essential. Programmatic buying and better audience me measurement, according to work. As much of this money will be coming from brands' experimental budgets. Yeah, that makes sense. Moving forward, the Webby Awards announced its winners. Let's look at the podcast category. Serial won the Webby People's Voice Award for Best Series. Slate Magazine's Slow Burn Season 2 won the Webby Award for Best Podcast Series. Pod Save the People won the Webby Award for Best Host. Webby winners are selected by the International Academy of Digital Arts and Science. The Webby Award ceremony itself will be in New York on Monday, May 13th. Congress to all the winners. One more. Again, acquisition happened on the market. Acast acquired Pipa. Acast is a hosting and analytics platform. Pipa is also hosting and analytics platform, but it works with independent creators. Previously, Acast only worked with premium publishers such as BBC, Financial Times, The Economist, and Huffington Post. After the acquisition, Acast is planning to open up their marketplace to creators and DIY podcasters. Now, news from Castbox. Last week, Castbox launched more than 200 New York Times bestseller audiobooks. There you can find, for example, The Path Made Clear by Oprah and also Roald's Dahl Matilda, read by Kate Winslet. I'm not going to talk about it more. Just go to the app, click buy now, listen and enjoy. 
New data about 2018. La last year, CastBox number one power user has spent almost half a year listening to CastBox. I'm not sure how this guy did this. But anyways, well done, and you still can improve in 2019. Last one. 22 CastBox ambassadors became the moderators of the community. Community is a new feature within CastBox, which is growing and expanding. 22 moderators will be watching the inappropriate content and will be responsible for reporting it. And now we're going to have a small pause and after that we'll come back. All right, now back to the interview. This is Podbytes Talk Show. I'm Valentina. Today I'm joined by Edith Young, who is the creator of the China Internet Report and a partner at Proof of Capital and 500 Startups. Edit invests in blockchain and AI startups, including Stellar, Oasis, Solana, Silk Labs, and many more. Early in her career, Edit worked as general manager of Dolphin Browser, a Sequoia-backed mobile browser with over 150 million installs worldwide. Edit also worked with many Fortune 500 companies such as Oracle, AT&T Wireless, and Autodesk. Edith frequently speaks at the internet and investment conferences around the globe, and she is featured by BBC, Bloomberg, CBS, NPR, TechCrunch, etc. Hello, Edith. Thank you for joining us today. Valentina, I'm, I'm very glad to be part of your show. Very excited to be here. Great. It's Podbytes talk show. In Podbytes, we're talking about recent industry trends. We are talking about investment and how all this influenced podcasting industry. To start with, uh, I would like to talk about China Internet Report. First time uh, I got a chance to listen to you was uh, last year at Slash Conference in Shanghai. And you were talking about China Internet Report, and it was really interesting. Uh, you started it two years ago, and now you're working on the third one, as far as I know. Uh, could you tell us what is the purpose and the story behind the report? Yeah, um, so China, the creation of the China Internet Report is very much of like a personal reason. Um, I spent half of my time in China, half my time in the U.S. for the last ten years, and every time I go back to Silicon Valley, I I found myself having to explain to some of my American friends what's happening in China. And and still, like even though now you know, China Internet Report is in, into its third year, I felt that you know, particular now what's going on with the China and US, in many cases the trade war, but more importantly the technical digital cold war, I felt I felt like there's still a lot of misunderstanding in terms of you know China tag. I think you know outside China there's a lot of people feel that Oh, China is very scary with uh, with privacy, or you know why is Baidu, Alibaba, and Tencent doing all these different things? And it seems like autonomous car, or particular AI, is you know is China gonna you know take over? And I felt that you know people who don't who have never been to China have a lot of sort of very sort of a miscommunication or just a, not understanding why um, you know why Chinese society is working a certain way 
Um, and I, I get to the point that well, I'm just like tired of explaining to all my friends again and again verbally. Yeah. So I decided to, you know, just create a report. Um, more like just say, hey guys, just read this. Uh, even some really, really basic things, right? Um, as an investor, a lot of times, like I felt a lot of other um, you like non-Chinese investor just don't believe the fact that, hey, how come valuation uh, of a lot of the Chinese companies are are so expensive? And the fact is, you know, if you just just look at the Chinese population, it's four times the U.S. population. Like same for you know the population of mobile internet, not let alone like the the population of mobile payment. Um, they're just so so much bigger. So, which really explains you know China internet as a as an economy is so exciting. So I felt like you know it's it's really time to you know use the re- report to help demystify. Um, so how you know folks population of China really need to learn and understand. And it's really not about like who's competing with who, it's, it's really about you know, learning from each other to make things more, more clear. Um, so that's why I really like why we uh, build this report. So the first year I actually built it and sort of, I, I love doing research um, on my own in, in general and um, got, received really, really great support and almost like 100,000 uh, views for the first oh, wow. year. Um, and then second year, I realized, you know what, um, regardless, I'm not a, a official researcher per se, so I brought in South China Morning Post. They are good friends, and I really believe in their mission also is very similar to mine. It's basically sort of demystify China uh, tech and make it just more easier to understand um, in terms of content. So um, that's why, like, I'm very supportive of Caspar, Valentina, your work um, with Renee. Thank you. And Thank you. Um, I think it's just great just to have different format, right? So we are we have the reports are a lot more so in the uh, written and re- reading format, and now you know, with the podcast, hopefully, you know, we can reach even more people. Um, to achieve our mission, so. Right. Um, still, I have a few few um, topics that I would like to uh, to raise uh, about the market research. And in the China Internet Report, you are comparing Chinese companies to U.S. companies a lot. So, um, could you? Uh, elaborate a little bit. Who is the main audience uh, of the report? Is it like mass audience, or you're targeting investors or startup startuppers? Um, yeah, I, I think it's uh, both. But I certainly, you know, the, the way that which if um, anybody, which by the way is completely free um, to to download. Um, either you find it on SlideShare for the shorter version, or if you Google China Internet Report, very easy to find. The purpose of it was um, a, f- a few folds. Uh, for sure, if you know, if you're someone that wanted to have never experienced China, and you're coming to China, wanted to understand like what are some of the basic in terms of first off how big the Chinese population is, what are some of the major trends and statistics, you start with that, and then after that, um, I realized you know what like if uh, Valentina, if I chat with you about like podcasts. Uh, versus, you know, folks that are working on gaming versus autonomous car or blockchain or AI. Uh, each of these areas, <clears throat> in fact, the players in terms of 
investors versus who are like sort of the top companies are all really, really different. So what we had in mind uh, when we built a report was uh, for sure investor uh, like myself, I wanted to know who are some of the top companies and investors. Uh, so we certainly have sort of the top 10 lists in both area by industry. So when you read the report, you have a very basic understanding of statistics, top trends, but more importantly, the specific players, investor plus top companies and top trends that are in your specific um, uh, industry. So we built it in um, with the with the entrepreneur founders, uh, business community plus um, investor community in mind. So that's our target audience. I see. Uh, this is uh, definitely very important. Uh, recently, you uh, presented another report. The, that one was on cross-border investment. I just watched your presentation. Uh, could you tell us more about that? Are you uh, now interested more in developing markets and other developing markets? So wh why, are you, why you initiated that? Yeah, great question, uh, Valentina. So we, uh, for my new fund, which is Proof of Capital, we are actively investing uh, both China, uh, Asia, and uh, Silicon Valley companies. And so cross-border have always been actually a personal interest and, and mission of mine. Uh, so I created the cross-border investment report because I realized you know, learning from the Baidu, Alibaba, Tencent, or the Google, Apple, uh, Facebook um, of the world, there are a lot of activities like in terms of um, investment, uh, acquisitions, um, activities going on on both um, both sides. So it's just fascinating to see, you know, compared to, let's say, look at, at Facebook, the only acquisition that they have done last year was uh, um, in, in like a um, actually a blockchain company in, in London versus if you look at Tencent or Alibaba, they're actively investing and acquiring companies in Southeast Asia, in, in Brazil, Latin America. Um, it's just so fascinating to see. But even one, one other thing that I do want to point out is, you know, like the, the most successful uh, investment of all time uh, in, in the world of internet uh, is NASPERS investing in um, Tencent. And NASPERS oh, yes. Yes. Um, invested in, I think, uh, almost 20 years ago, and they still own uh, a little over 30% of Tencent. Um, it's just amazing. And that is a cross-border deals, um, and absolutely the deal of the century. So because of that, I think that more and more investors should pay attention uh, to cross-border investment and cross-border M&A. Um, it's just something that I think as, as an investor, no one should ignore. Uh, oh, and more importantly, I think you know, very similar to what CastBox is doing, right? CastBox is very, very international. You guys have teams in in Silicon Valley, you have a team in China, and it's just, this is definitely a growing trend. I think everybody should pay attention to. Yeah, true, true. Uh, more markets you go, more uh, th there is a good opportunity to mitigate your risks and uh, yeah, uh, expand your business. Definitely. Uh, so you just mentioned uh, proof of capital. This is a new fund of yours, uh, Congress on the new fund. 
Yeah, I, I'm very, very excited about uh, the launch of Proof of Capital. Um, is been in the making, and I'm very excited like, to work with my new partners, Phil Chen, uh, who spent the last four years at Horizons Ventures and also part of HTC, uh, the smartphone manufacturers, and also Chris McCann, who's been a longtime friend and has spent many years at Greylock Partners, uh, working very closely with Reef Hoffman and um, and investing in many great companies like Facebook and LinkedIn. Um, it's, it's just we we have been doing co-investment for a long, long time, and it's just exciting to work with friends and partners. Um, and Proof of Capital is a blockchain-focused fund. Um, and actually, more importantly, I wanted to emphasize is really is not just about blockchain it's really about data um, a big worldview and belief that we have is you know if you look at what facebook actually just yesterday now they say like the, the future is privacy and it's not really just about blockchain or privacy per se it's really about trust ownership and access of all of our data and blockchain is a very specific infrastructure, I think it's going to push this industry forward. Um, our focus for the fund is of three main area. One is, I think, the most obvious use case for the flow of data is actually flow of money. So uh, finance is certainly an area we really focus on uh, from you know, exchanges to custody solution to payment, wallet remittances are, are some key area we actively investing in, uh, but certainly also infrastructure, things that are pushing the blockchain industry, data industry forward is for sure privacy, security, scalability, identity. And then last but not least, we're very comfortable with hardware related investments uh, with a strong partnership with HTC. Um, we are definitely looking at things that is like on the chipset level, mining, um, it's just really, really fun industry to be in. So um, for sure, like we are very open to investing in things in both Asia uh, and very active in China and, and Silicon Valley. Um, so cross-border is basically a very, very strong theme. We, we think that from day one, we want to partner very closely with our founders to think about global user acquisition strategy and go to market. I think that we certainly will see a lot of really fun companies out of Silicon Valley in Beijing, particularly, or Sunjin. But we think that adoption will be worldwide, particularly looking at Southeast Asia, uh, Latam. These are very much like following the strategy of sort of the WeChat Pay, Alipay, Alibaba, and, and Tencent, and where they are taking like their investment strategy and you know MA strategy. I think there's a lot to learn from from some of these guys. So that's what proof of capital is all about. Right. So you mentioned HTC is one of your partners. Uh, are they LP? Uh, yeah, they are big. Uh, uh, definitely one of the our investors. The, yeah. and was their role? Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Was their role uh, in the fund? Yeah, they are investors and also are, are big partners for uh, for proof of capital. Right. And uh, what is the size of the fund? It's a $50 million fund, and uh, we our first check is anywhere from uh, 200 up to a million to start. Right. Oh, that's great. And uh, geographically, uh, you don't have any restrictions? Uh, we have no restrictions uh, geographically, but we definitely have strong emphasis uh, in both China and U.S. 
Okay, great. Uh, so I would like really to talk with you in details about upcoming trends in the internet industry and in tech in general. Um, because you're one of the partners of 500 startups, and uh, for those who doesn't know, this is a famous VC fund and accelerator, and uh, uh, edit in uh, her previous uh previous uh, experience edit worked a lot with mobile internet and um, yeah you're since you're a, such a great expert on mobile internet um, could you tell us uh, what will be the next big thing in the mobile internet and also it would be interesting to talk about blockchain since it's the focus of uh, proof of capital yeah it, there's there's a lot of things that's going on in, in mobile and I think just to start, uh, for sure, we should definitely talk more about on a podcast industry. Because oh, definitely, yes. It's so interesting to see. But, you know, obviously the, the biggest news right now going on in mobile is 5G. Um, and and there's, you know, obviously, like if you look at the news constantly, sort of the China-US race to 5G. Um, I, I, I think what's interesting is that, you know, all these things is happening more on the, um, really emphasize and speak of the network, right? Um, now, if you look at sort of overall uh, worldwide, if you look at mobile adoption, both China and US really at, at the place is more really mature, is almost at the saturated level. So you definitely don't see as much growth, like in terms of both iOS and Android, in terms of percentage of growth has sort of slowed down quite a bit. The key, the key sort of the competitive market uh, for both a lot of the Chinese player and US player is actually Southeast Asia and India. Um, particular India, I think what's really exciting to see is, um, I think uh, almost like a couple of years ago, Reliance um, have really built in a lot of infrastructure, which is a local operator in India, and drive, drove down like the cost for mobile internet uh, data particular to a really, really low price. So that's why like you start to see huge adoption um, in, in various different mobile apps in India. And if you actually look at what's really fun to see also is and exciting is the top, top, top 10 uh, mobile app that is popular, at least at least 30%, if it's not 50%, our last look are actually Chinese player. Um, so we'll see more and more of not just to us which historically you look at facebook or or google um not even not so much even amazon per se mainly facebook and google uh, have done really really well um and in all like worldwide in emerging country now you started to see you know the chinese players particular alibaba tencent and bydance have definitely made some really really strong move move in uh, emerging countries so I think mobile internet is no longer just dominated by the U.S. as China is very, very strong. And another thing I wanted to point out is that I think a lot of the way of operating um, mobile apps is, is, if you look at particular Southeast Asia and India, the behavior is actually a lot similar uh, to China rather than in the U.S. So I think a lot of... In the, which sense? Um, in, just in terms of like how the user think and operate in, in, in the US, you know, just to start with Google, right? You, you, you open uh, most of the browser is more, more clean. Um, you just search 
search bar and uh, pretty much it. But if you actually look at most of the Chinese browser, which by the way, I think you know, most of the Southeast Asia and Indian player, um, they don't mind like being presented to sort of the China style, how, how, how one, two, uh, ERSAN, how one, two, three, where it's like a huge, fairly crowded sitemap where, you know, there is a lot of big icon, big link, and it's a little bit overwhelming. Yeah, but, I agree. And the Chinese apps have so many information in the app um, or in the browser. Yeah, you can find everything yeah. you want in one yeah, place. But I think, yeah, I think emerging market, actually, they're used to that. Like, it's, it's actually okay with that. Um, and then also another thing, I, I found it more similar between, you know, China and, and Southeast Asia and India um, is gaming. Um, I, you know, sort of more like to start with because the the environment in most of the emerging country is a prepaid market, so they don't mind they don't mind like a lot of things. Sort of if you if you need to uh, like up, uh, top up uh, to for virtual goods, is they're very very comfortable. Let's say go to a Seven Eleven and top up uh, to buy virtual goods, and that behavior almost I mean sure like you. In, in in the developed country, like most of the English speaking country, you sort of most of these things come with your contract and you buy the phones, most of the things are subsidized. So just that little sort of subsidies actually make a big difference in terms of you know how how mobile digital native that most of the young people in develop in Southeast Asia or or India, they're very used to that. So um, it's just like sort of these little things make a diff big difference. So I'm actually really excited to see such strong China influence in a lot of the emerging market, uh, for one. Um, and then I'm going to switch topic real quick right. in addition to global internet is on the blockchain side of things. Um, yeah, blockchain, uh, yeah, definitely interesting. And especially what's happening in blockchain for China. Yeah, you know, uh, blockchain in China, you know, I think you know, Ch Chinese... Um, the environment have a love-hate relationship with, uh, with blockchain. Um, <laughs> and, and I actually started in about September. Actually, I remember very, very clearly, uh, early September. I think it started with September 4th. Uh, Chinese government basically stopped all the ICO um, in China. And then on September 11th, it, it uh, basically asked most of the Chinese exchanges to stop supporting um, RMB. Uh, to you know, ask basically not to allow RMB to buy into crypto. So, crypto is not well, quite welcome in in China. Uh, but what is really definitely welcome is blockchain technology in China. I, I was actually I found it super funny. I was watching a, a CCTV, uh, which is a Chinese uh, local TV channel. Um, and you can find it for people who are not in China. You can just Google it. You can find it on YouTube. CCTV blockchain, almost like 101. Um, that talks about how um, Chinese government is very, very supportive of blockchain. In fact, the BAT, Baidu, Baribaba, um, and Tencent, they all have their own private blockchain ecosystem and platforms. And many of them do work with Chinese government to using blockchain uh, to build healthcare systems, logistics, um, trade finances, supply chain. Um, there's actually a lot of great use of blockchain technology within China, uh, mainland China. Um, not necessarily all decentralized per se, is more private blockchain. Um, but I also found it super fascinating to look at 
Um, by the way, um, February, there's actually, um, if then you do actually have to Google in Chinese, there's about almost 200 uh, blockchain company basically sort of get uh, certified or approved by Chinese government. And, and um, within this, uh, within uh, Tencent or Alibaba or outside this giant companies? Do you yeah, know? I'll, I'll, yeah, in addition to the BAT, um, oh. there are many, many, 60% of them. I, I actually did some little calculation. 60% come from Beijing, about another other 30, uh, actually 30% come from Beijing and another um, 20, 10, 20% come from Shenzhen. So between the two cities, there's over half of these are smaller companies that are developing blockchain technology that is support, not supported by the Chinese government per se, but at least, you know, they're not block and at all. They're actually, you know. Yeah, yeah, because blockchain and crypto is two different things. Yeah, definitely. Blockchain is helpful. Yeah, definitely. So I think, you know, the world is... Um, we really and actually, what I thought was really funny too when I was watching the TV, TV show by CCTV, it was actually literally talking about blockchain is the best thing since the invention of the internet. <laughs> and I found it really funny, and and but for sure, like the geeky side of me love it, and I think that it's just so, so interesting to rethink how we think about trust and how we think about should be you know because of data how we should architect you know the ownership access and it's just really really exciting time and and that's why you know proof of capital is is actively focusing on that and and um i look forward to investing and working with many of these awesome founders that are focusing on blockchain right yeah that's definitely exciting Edit, how about podcast industry? Let's uh, talk a little bit about podcast. And recently you uh, you just mentioned Reliance that invests a lot in the infrastructure. But you know Reliance also acquired recently um, GeoSavan, which is a podcast platform in India. So it seems that so many big players are moving into podcast industry. What do you see uh, the future trends in media consumption and podcasts? Yeah, I, I'm really, really excited about what you what Castbox and your team is doing, and you mentioned like a Reliance also like did some acquisition. I think like obviously Spotify acquired Gimlet for two hundred and seven million, and Anchor and Parcast. These are all really good signs like for for younger companies because there are big players are making some major move um, in terms of acquisition in that end. Um, but and also, you know, what's really interesting, even though podcast been around for ten years, um, I, I think also at the same time, what what been slowly growing and now almost at the mature level is both China and U.S. Uh, combined literally have over billions of active mobile internet users now, right? So, so we literally can listen to ev- everything on Castbox on iOS, Android anywhere you go and in addition to that i think what's really interesting in the last five years is the rise of sort of the home uh, the alexa trend where you can you can listen to certain things while you're on the road but you can when you get home you can continue uh, what you've been listening to while you're on the road at home so that sort of congruency you know even though you're traveling or at home you can continue to listen to things where you don't necessarily need to just put your headset on you can be just like doing dishes or you know traveling in the car 
So that 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 whole sort of you know very consistent experience was really exciting to see. Um, as I was sort of studying what uh, Spotify um, and, and their their move, and they also believe that if you're a podcast user, you are more likely to spend even more time listening to music. So this whole whole push of you know podcasts are driving the whole audio industry is just really really exciting to see. Um, but in yeah. addition to creation of things, certainly you know we're using you know Castbox now doing live, which is awesome. Um, oh yeah, definitely. We are now live. Yeah, let let me remind all our users. Yeah, so we, we, I'm I'm using my PC version now, and of course we can do this on iOS and Android too. So that's the creation. Uh, I think up on like creating podcasts have improved a lot. Like you don't necessarily need to have a very sophisticated microphone or like you're creating podcasts used to scare me because like some of my friends buy like really expensive equipment so we can sound normal and that's so not the case anymore. So I think the creation has also improved a lot. Um, and then in addition to that, uh, also like I'm seeing the monetization uh, have slowly increased. Uh, I'm seeing numbers that from 2018 is about 600 million, 700 million, and it's growing. So if there's increase of advertisers wanting to advertise you know, via podcast, then also equal to there will be higher and higher quality uh, of, of podcast cre uh, creation, because then there's a reason uh, for the creators to create even better uh, original shows. Um, and then what's also really interesting to me, I started to see um, there's rise of the live show. Um, I, I, I'm seeing like um, the How I Build It, which is, I think it's from NPR. Uh, in the last couple of years, they started to have their own conferences. Uh, um, actually, I just went to TED a couple of weeks ago. Um, they literally have like carved out certain content where, yeah, this is particular for a podcast. Um, it's just really cool. Yeah, to definitely. See. It's becoming bigger. It's uh, I think all the conferences are now uh, doing separate sessions on podcasting, or not all, but yeah. many of them. Yeah. Yeah. So so it's just definitely really great like to see from a from a investor to to M and A to the creation of it to the advertising of, of it and even live events like there's all these infrastructure or like component of like pushing the whole industry forward. Um, and in addition to sort of the hardware side have improved a lot and the consistency to different environment. Um, it's just a really, really fun place to be. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, let me welcome a few of our listeners that joined recently. Welcome Abek, welcome Mandy, welcome Will, welcome Val Polsward, welcome Lily, welcome Ambar, um, welcome Mandy, Welcome, Rene. Welcome, Diong. Uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us today. This is Spotbytes Talk Show. We are live on CastBox. And we are have uh, we've got a question from Rene. Rene is asking, Hi, Edit. How do you think of 996? There was a big discussion nowadays. So, yeah, 996, this is a work culture in China. And maybe you can uh, say a few words about, about that. Um, I, I think I think sometimes some of my friends is not just nine nine six is uh, literally nine nine seven. It will, Valentina. I think uh, thank you, Renee, for your questions. Um, 
I, th I think that it's just amazing and to, to see uh, every, every time I get the chance to work with any other Chinese founder, I'm always like in awe of how hardworking um, the whole Chinese startup community is. I, and I know it's like some of my friends in Silicon Valley will hate me for saying it, but honestly, as much as I love you know the, the Silicon Valley culture, I think compared to China, I, I think Chinese entrepreneurs work 10 times harder. Oh, um, that's a lot. And, and uh, it, the, the sort of the attitude of like I will do whatever it takes is just not the same like you see the rest of the world. Um, sometimes I think people from the outside may see is a little bit unhealthy, um, for sure. And you know, many of my friends don't probably don't see their family in in, in <laughs> for for have haven't seen their family for a long time. It's not necessarily healthy, uh, but at the same time, I I think that. If if it's not because of the 996 or 997 culture, I don't think the Chinese internet um, economy will be as as vibrant and would grow so leaps and bounds in the last 10 years if it's not because of all these amazing founders that have pushed the industry forward. So um, I think now we're at the place where we're see, seeing you know, sort of the the the, the gen generation, the first generation who have exit and now coming back as uh, as angel investor and actively investing. So it's just really awesome to see. Um, so I, as much as I applaud the 996, I think continue to work hard is awesome to see. Um, but I think we also need to make sure that we have good balance, eat more, sleep more, um, work hard still, but <laughs> take care of yourself. <laughs> Right. Um, yeah, uh, that would uh, probably uh, be helpful. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. But uh, yeah, the competition is very fierce. Uh, so that's why all this happening. Um, we have uh, another question from uh, our user. And um, um, the question is, uh, do you use Alexa and do you have any privacy concerns? Um, <laughs> I, I, I absolutely, uh, uh, I have, um, many Alexa devices at my house and I, I'm actually a really, really big fan. I, I think Amazon oh. after so many years of trying have finally sort of, so definitely leading, um, in terms of sort of the, the home audio device. Um, and certainly, you know, I think Google and Apple both are following uh, following Amazon footsteps. And at the same time, you know, I'm going to sound really morbid. I, I think most of most of the internet giants, regardless, you know, China or U.S. players, they they have access to our data. And is there is that privacy concern? Absolutely. Um, at the end of the day, most of these players even though they may or may not use our data for advertising, they certainly are looking at our data to wanted to better understand our user behavior. Um, and, but I think like the key thing is, you know, it's, it's not just about like the use of data, it's really about trust. Sometimes I think just to give Facebook a little bit benefit of the doubt, um, at the end of the day, if we don't have some data it's very, very hard for internet companies or actually AI. If they, if there's no data, there's no AI, right? So 
we definitely need a lot of training data to, to improve our algo to the point that it's even usable. So in some sense, as a user, um, do I have privacy concern? Yes. At the same time, um, I think is in addition to having concern, I think all the internet giants, uh, small or big, should be transparent and really build trust. Um, I think that you know you need to make money somehow. Otherwise, we wouldn't be use, be able to use you know great services like Facebook. I, I still think there's a lot of users that are not necessarily complaining just because there's some concern. But what is the biggest thing is about trust. If you don't have trust with your users, then slowly your user will jump to other platforms. So I'm, I think you know everybody should pay attention to the EULA, um, the user agreement. And more importantly, I think all CEOs and founders should be, you know, be transparent to their users. And I, I am glad to see what Mark Zuckerberg did yesterday um, that talks about the future is privacy, but the future is really all driven by how we architect and protect our data and establish trust all over again with our users. So that's all I have to say. Yeah, um, the trust issue is definitely the one of the most important uh, this topics that people are discussing nowadays. Um, so. Uh, yeah, one more question. I think it's a follow-up question. Do you still trust Facebook? Um, I actually still do. Uh, it may not be a, a popular comment for, for, for most of my friends in Silicon Valley. They are definitely being in a lot of heat. Um, I still give them a benefit of the doubt. I, I, I think that Mark Zuckerberg have done some really dramatic um changes to the top management you see for good or bad first of you know the, the founder of instagram kevin simstrong had left um jan from whatsapp also left and recently chris cox from who's the chief product officer also left and i'm sure that there's a lot of shakeup um within facebook itself but it seems like at least from the outside you know, mark is uh, doing some really strong make some really dramatic change in pushing for privacy. Um, so in that sense, I still want to give them a chance. Um, and what I also really looking for is learning about what they're doing with blockchain. So I heard that within Facebook, there's a little over a hundred people now uh, working within the blockchain team. And there's a lot of rumor about um, they may launch something related to a token. I like I don't I don't know. I work don't work for Facebook, but I, I certainly think like the blockchain initiative and the push for privacy definitely um, I look forward to seeing how that going to entangle and and be revealed. Um, so I look forward to that. So uh, I, I I'm giving them um, seven and a half points out of ten in terms of Looking forward to what I'm so generous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we have a comment from Samantha. Samantha, thanks for joining. Samantha is saying, I heard that if you type something into Facebook and decide not to post it, Facebook still stores that information, which freaks me out a little. Yeah, so Edit is uh, saying that uh, we, uh, we should expect uh, the significant changes in the privacy. Yeah, so so I was actually reading the um, um, the press 
test uh, the announcement yesterday actually on Facebook and the press release, and I really really love one of the analogies that they're making, which is ten years ago when they or more than ten years ago when they first started, they were actually building Facebook as almost a public town hall for conversation for all of us to have conversations, right? So when you look at news feeds is. The, the, the algorithm is actually about, oh, the more people talking about certain things, uh, uh, not just our people, but more friends are talking about specific topics uh, or getting more likes, we should probably, you know, they may want, our friends want to see it more. But now they are, the way that they would like to build, and we will see how it turns out, is building your living room, which the, your own living room is not necessary. You don't want to invite everybody on the street to be in the living room and hearing your conversation. But once in a while, you don't mind invite friends come over to be in the living room to you know, or opening up a parties to to have more people to listen to your conversation within your living room. So, so in that sense, I think that's a great analogy. Um, I think you know even in on Castbox there's. You know, private mode, right? So, um, Tina, you and I have been chatting like an hour ago. Yeah. Um, private versus you can pro- like do um, podcasts uh, publicly with Castbox with a larger audience. I think you know the thinking is very very similar. So, I I look forward to those changes. I I I, I think that there, there are some really really great people there, and you know a lot of the thinking of how. You know, I'm seeing how cast boxes being designed also have a lot of similar, similar thinking about you know the town hall versus the living room analogy, and um, we should we should you know give some of the giant a little bit benefit of the doubt. Yeah, so guys, you you heard that? Don't invite everyone to your living room. Um, okay, so I know that you are on the road, but uh, we have. Uh, I, I'm going to take a couple of more questions from our listeners. Um, we have a question from Will, who's uh, asking you uh, about recent investments, and I think you have uh, your own insights to share. Um, the question is about Luminary raising 100 million for Angel Round to do premium podcasts. What do you think about that? Um, if I remember correctly, I think I have. Uh, you please correct me if I'm wrong. I think Lumin- Luminary have a. One of my favorite author, Malcolm Gladwell, um, is, is I think is either part of it or advisor. It's actually really, really exciting to see. Like the analogy I would make is almost a little bit like, you know, seeing the Disney of the world now trying to tap into the the the, the Netflix territory, right? You you seeing like some really really great content creator, um, like the author or like people who are like from the traditional um, media in other format, like in the on TV side of things or in the traditional radio or written format. And now like coming and wanted to create premium uh, podcast content and take it really, really seriously. And almost like you can think about, you know, in the past, maybe so that the podcast side of things will be a second thought. Um, now, it's sort of similar, like in 10 years ago, people would not be creating software with with mobile first in mind. Now, I just love, love, love the fact that people are having podcasts first in mind um, when they're creating 
new content. So I think is a great step, giant leap forward to see more original content that is absolutely podcast first, um, and and then also you know seeing more creativities around you know even for podcasts, right, Valentina, you and I decided to. Um, your format is like a one-hour format, um, but I think that there are more other format that could be more bite-sized. It could be like five minutes, ten minutes, or even like interaction. Uh, what I see in China sometimes is, you know, you type certain things and you can program all that on WeChat. You type certain things on um, in the typing format, and they give you an audio file. Uh, to all right. Yes. Those are so fun to do. Um, so I, I actually really looking for one. A very different format, or even a conversation live show, um, all that is is a great sign, and I think more and more of these we'll see. And if you also look at, if I remember correctly, pod, uh, for Spotify, their acquisition um, for uh, for Gimlet or Podcast is, uh, I think Podcast is particularly focused on like crime or very specific genre. Uh, mystery and science fictions. So you will start to see like sort of the the Disney like of the world. Um, nonfiction fiction is you can almost treat podcasts like a TV show. You will start to see the ESPN just for sports versus crime versus you know nonfiction or learning education is and or for kids different age group different languages um, and maybe lightning like different time of the day. Um, meditation. It's just a really, really awesome time like, to be part of this industry. Yeah, totally agree with you. And uh, recently what we start seeing uh, is that uh, bigger content producers uh, that do even visual content, they use podcast topics and podcast content for creating their uh, visual content after uh, it was on air uh, in a podcast format. Yeah, definitely agree that audio... Uh, audio content has so much, so much to explore. Yeah. Uh, so we have uh, one more, I think, question from our uh, user, Mandy. And um, thanks, uh, everyone who's joining us again. Jimmy's joining. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Um, so the question is uh, about uh, reality show Path of Victors. And um, it was... Uh, on Hong Kong TV, uh, if I remember correctly, and uh, the, our listener is asking, how does it look like from inside? And what are your main takeaways from the show? Could you tell us more a, a little bit? Yeah, so so uh, that show was uh, really, really fun to produce. We um, the, the purpose of that show was actually wanted to help to support the, the Hong Kong um, startup community really get give them a, to, a chance to sort of pitch live uh, similar to sort of what Shark Tank uh, done in the U.S. and really sort of push on entrepreneurship to the max. Uh, so that was really the purpose for the show is to get more of you know f folks that in in the normal population. You know, like in in China, if let's say 15 years ago, if you tell your parents. And especially in the Chinese traditional Asian community, uh, it, it scare your your mom and dad. Like if you're trying to create a company, they would rather you go for work for the government <laughs> and they would drop, right? So, so is is awesome. Like and actually, it's still very much so. Like I think 
and there isn't like a like BAT in in Hong Kong yet. So the purpose of the show is really like wanted to help push the Hong Kong entrepreneurship community forward. Is like show it to the mass. Um, and behind the scene, it's it really fun. Like I, um, I, I got the chance. Actually, I met most of the Hong Kong investor a while back, um, and it was just really really fun like, to to see there's such a slowly more vibrant. Uh, community coming from Hong Kong, and uh, now there is actually three unicorn now in in Hong Kong. In addition to um, GoGo Van, Sense Time, uh, and also um, Cluck, which is like the first three unicorn that I see coming from Hong Kong, and looking forward for more. Um, I don't know if there will be a second season yet, but I certainly mm -hmm. would love like, to to help and support to participate. But um, I, I like China have the same thing too, right? Uh, Ying Zai Zhongguo, which is yeah, uh, the, yeah. the version of it. And I just love to see Hans and Anna uh, from Genfun. I did such an awesome job. And also Harry. It's just really fun to see and learn from all those guys. Yeah, and they are crying. And uh, sometimes they have such a strong emotions. Yeah, I love the show as well. <laughs> yeah, no one's crying yet on my side, but... but uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe you have you're too soft for them. I, I don't know. Yeah. You have to be harsh a little. Yeah, I, I'm not that mean. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Um, yeah. The, before we wrap up, I, I just uh, want to ask you a very quick question. What are your favorite podcasts? Ah, that is an awesome, awesome question. Um, well, I I actually really like this. Um, show i recently been following is uh, actually there's two um i really like naval um he doesn't do a lot of podcasts but his podcast is always always really really insightful um i just really enjoy like most of his like philosophy um he's also very active um, in in the blockchain world um another one that i really enjoy is called 20 minute vc you can find all this actually by the way on on castbox um, 20, more or less, I'm an investor and I also just love learning from other VCs and how they think. So those two would be my favorite ones. Great. And that's a wrap for the show this week. You're listening to the Pod Bites, and we were joined by Edit Young, partner at Proof of Capital and creator of China Internet Report. Edit, thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you, Valentina. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Next week, we will be on air, same time, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. Our guest for the next week is Jessica Rose, the founder of the Interview Connections. It was Podbuy's talk show. Thank you so much. I'll see you guys next week. <laughs>